0: You're listening to The Hungry Soul with Rachel Foy, covering all topics from spirituality, mindset work, beliefs, relationships, food, body image, business, money, self-expression and more, helping you become a soul-fed woman. Hello there and welcome back to The Hungry Soul podcast with Rachel Foy. Today it's episode 45. Now, before we get stuck in with our gorgeous guest, and this was a really, really cool interview, and I know that you will get so much from it as always, I have a few questions to ask you. Would you consider yourself to be an ambitious business owner, or perhaps you are a corporate leader, but you don't feel happy despite your successes? Do you appear to maybe have it all, yet on the inside you feel like something's missing? Or maybe you've got your eye on success, but you feel really disconnected from your body and perhaps even from your life, and you find yourself having lost your passion and your pleasure, and maybe even feeling trapped in this pointless grind every day, which your life has now become. If you do, then what if I told you that all the answers that you're seeking right now are actually within you? All that you need to do is start to listen to your own soul-fed woman. Now, over the last couple of weeks, you may have heard me talk about the Soul Freedom Sisterhood, which is my six-month journey for a maximum of 10 women, and the applications are still open. We're starting in January. And I just want to invite you to see whether this might be something that is suitable and perfect for you at this time. Now, the Soul Freedom Sisterhood, it is for those women who who want to find themselves again. And perhaps after years of overgiving and overachieving, they are fed up of feeling exhausted on the verge of burnout and living a life which no longer lights them up. Because the thing is gorgeous is that you have everything within you to live and create a successful and fulfilling life. Like you truly hold all the answers. The problem though, is that you have forgotten who you are. So this is your invitation from me to you to start breaking that cycle of feeling like you do and relearn how to bring in more fun and enjoyment and pleasure into your life, your career and your business. So if that is something that feels right for you, and you're going to know if it feels right for you, then I want to just direct you with lots of love over to soulfedwoman.com forward slash sisterhood, where you can find all about the Soul Freedom Sisterhood. And there's also um, an application button on there. No obligation for you and I to just have a chat and find out whether it is the right thing for you at this time. Um, And as I've said, this is really a journey of exploration, of truth telling, Um, it's a journey that every single woman who will be a part of is going to get so much from because it really is about support, alliance, reconnecting, and actually helping you to to remove the masks, to change those stories, and to help you embody your fullest potential as a soul-fed woman in a really safe and and beautiful place to do so. Okay, so that um, address again is soulfedwoman.com forward slash sisterhood, or you can find all the information that you need and more. So let's get on and introduce our next guest here at The Hungry Soul. This is the gorgeous, the delightful, the scrumptious Anne Ferguson. Now, Anne is the founder and chief nurturer at the Centered Mama Project. And I'm so proud to say that actually I class Anne as one of my friends as well. We were mastermind buddies a little while ago. And I know that she's going to have such an impact on the world because what she's doing is so needed. Now, she's a passionate supporter of all mamas and Anne has got such a massive mission. She wants to change the way that we mothers treat ourselves and by extension, how we treat each other. Now, Anne knows that caring more deeply for ourselves changes how we show up in our families and in our communities. And she's committed to improving the world by creating communities of mothers online and around the globe, so that no matter what her situation, there's never a single mama left behind. So, here is the delightful Anne Ferguson talking about her Centred Mama project and why any mama listening right now needs to start making herself a priority. So, I want to welcome onto the show today the lovely Anne Ferguson. Hello! Hello, gorgeous! How are you today?
1: I am fantastic, I'm so happy to be here with you.
0: Oh, I'm delighted to have you on the show because I know that we're going to have a beautiful conversation all around soul fed women, feeding our souls, particularly about mama souls. So Mm -hmm. for anybody that's listening or watching right now that might not yet know who you are and what you do, do you want to give yourself a quick introduction to what you are all about
1: Yes, I would love to, thank you. So my name is Anne Ferguson, and I am the creator of the Centred Mama Project. And this project was born because I'm a mom, like so many others, and parenting my children very far from home. In fact, I'm from Canada and live in Switzerland with my Argentine husband. So we really aren't surrounded by heaps of family, which would probably take some of the pressures off the, the realities of parenting. And it became really obvious to me that women, whether you do or don't live close to where your people are from, tend to become more and more isolated as we come into childhoods, certainly in the early parts when we've got newborns and they're then they're a little older and they're napping and it changes our schedules and, and we, we start to become out of sync with the people that we might have been in sync with before. And as our journey through motherhood progresses, we begin to lose our center, we get knocked off our center because our center of our universe biologically when they're first born needs to be our children so that we can keep them alive and keep them thriving and growing. But what often happens is that we stay knocked off center and we lose ourselves as the center of our lives in our universe and you know all about this because this is core of what you can go to your work, but we lose ourselves as the center of our own world And we also have lots of messages around how that's selfish and it's bad to have yourself as a priority in the center of the universe. But the reality is that when you don't have yourself at the center, the wheel doesn't spin in an easy way anymore. It gets wonky and you start to sort of, you know, it becomes harder and harder to move along. And so then dysfunction starts to kick in Mm -hmm. in families because we become resentful or become very angry and we don't recognize ourselves, we forget who we are. So the Centered Mama Project is an online community for women. Um, I'm about to launch the sisterhood actually, but this online um, community for women, for mothers to come and get real about motherhood. Talk about what it really is like instead of, this sort of insta perfect, um, really highly curated appearance of what some people put forward as motherhood, and then the rest of us feel really crap because our actual lives aren't like that.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the whole point of this conversation, and obviously the podcast is called The Hungry Soul, it's also about helping other women realize the truth and the reality of just life. And, you know, I know you're a mum, I'm a mum, and my experience of motherhood was not at all fluffy bunnies and lovely blankets and snuggles. There were elements of that, but actually it was really hard going. And I think this conversation is so important for other women to have the awareness of that there's nothing wrong with them when they feel like everything's going wrong, which I know is your passion, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and one of my, one of the core tenets of anything that I do is that it just is what it is. You know, it's not, you won't find mega glossy. You won't find super curated If the lip gloss is on and the mascara is on and everyone's had breakfast, we're already winning. You know, Um, my kids are a little bit older. They're eight and 10 now, but you know, we have, we have different factors within our family's life that mean that, at different times throughout the mothering journey in the last decade, there have been pressures from very different areas, be it from my father, who was ill and subsequently passed away, or from other extended family members, or even people within the actual nuclear family. Mm-hmm. And and it becomes... Uh, it becomes difficult when we see other people who are showing these, you know, easy, super social, everybody's clean with brushed hair kind of lives <laughs> and smiling, kids smiling in pictures. Oh, my word. <laughs> right? I mean, I, when I look at my 10 year old going on 17, she doesn't smile for pictures because she's in this phase of refusing um, to see her own beauty, refusing to see her own, she's not able to see her own worth and the space she's allowed to take up in the world, and so it comes through as refusal of having her picture taken and refusal of participating in things. Later on, I know she'll regret. So, you know, it's that that not, I just don't think that we do anyone a favor when we present these highly curated images, and that's why I want and have created a place where you can come and rest your heart and rest your mama's soul and be held and witnessed and seen in the truth of what it is to sometimes not like your kids. Sometimes be really resentful that you're a mom with all of these responsibilities. It's not all the time. It's probably, I don't know, one and a half percent of the time. Maybe it's more, but it, it, it's such a shock when it happens yeah, because we're not, that's not acceptable on some level. It isn't acceptable for us to feel anything other than absolute devotion and for us to do anything other than throw our own needs and our own souls and our own loves and passions and selves under the bus to serve other people, be it our parents, our children, our spouse, our communities, the teachers, the bake sale, the neighbors, that you know, the dog—it just doesn't end. And yeah. the more we throw ourselves under that bus, the more we lose ourselves.
0: Absolutely. And I know that you're kind of talking from personal experience, which we'll come to in a second. And I can relate to so much of that because you know, when when my eldest Simeon was like six months old, I had a, a like a period of going, "Who the hell am I? What the hell have we done?" I can't believe that we've ended up having this baby because everything's just changed. And all the emotion that came with that of guilt, I'm such a bad person, I shouldn't be feeling this way. But again, like you're saying, with with the work that you're doing now, it's actually just allowing women that that space to be honest and to start speaking their truth. Because those words for me, I couldn't bring myself to speak them out because I thought, what are people gonna think if I say this? And I think that's so important, isn't it? As women, we need to be okay to speak our truth even if it's got emotion attached to that
1: it's about speaking our truth even when it isn't pretty and it isn't convenient even when it's uncomfortable so good girls make sure everyone's comfortable Mm -hmm. good girls make sure everyone's taken care of good girls are rewarded for sitting still sitting straight up speaking politely not belching there, there's a certain expectation of what constitutes a good girl. The good girls are the ones who at school do everything that the teachers tell them to do and who listen and who are compliant. Well, when those good girls who are compliant their whole childhood become women, they hit their 30s and 40s and think, what the heck happened to me? Like how?" And it doesn't serve them. It doesn't serve them in the workplace. I just started reading um, Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In when I was on the plane coming home from an amazing week that I took for myself two weeks ago. And I literally got about 20 pages in and I thought, no. (laughs) I stopped. I took a pen and there is not a page. I went back to the beginning. There is not a page that isn't marked up with underlines and double exclamation marks. And we need to talk to, I started making a list of things to, to be conscious of in my parenting with my girls and to talk to my husband about and make sure we are and aren't doing certain things because all of the things that reward that we're rewarded for as little girls and as growing girls are the things that mean that we 're um, we 're subjugating our needs like we 're just eliminating them we 're throwing them under the bus I keep saying we 're throwing them under the bus, and it sounds violent, but it is right the the little part of you that is saying, hang on a second, this isn't what I signed up for, this isn't fun, this isn't what I thought mothering was going to be like, this isn't what it's like on TV, this isn't what it looks like when I see all the yummy mummies at at the cafe all giggling with their strollers and their clean babies. Well, those yummy mummies go home? And the effort that it took for them to be that yummy mummy at the cafe probably wipes them out for the rest of the day. Or or not? Maybe they have staff at home who does the, who do the groceries and the, the deciding what to have for dinner and the cooking and the laundry and the cleaning. Amazing, right? But but all of us, no matter what our social status, no matter what our financial status, no matter what our culture, there there is this shame, this really heavy shame that you were talking about. You know, when Simeon was six months old, and you were thinking, "Hang on, what have we done?" and you didn't dare to talk about it. Because of the shame that is associated with anything other than this deep and absolute devotion to our children, right? What makes a good mom? Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's a whole good girl concept, like you said, that comes back in again. And I can hear in how you talk about this with such passion, like this is coming from the depth of your soul because you've experienced this. So just kind of backtracking a little bit into when like you were a first time mum, or actually with both of your girls, what was the tipping point for you when you went, Holy crap, something's not right. What am I going to do about this? Like, can you remember sort of what, what was happening, how you were feeling, like what has led to you getting to this place now of being so passionate to help other women?
1: Two things. One happened when um, my oldest Carolina was four and her little sister Amelia was two. They're not quite two years apart. So I had them quite close and I had picked them up from crash and that was always roughly an hour's worth of talking and being patient and encouraging and getting shoes on and getting jackets on and leaving the little stuffed animal and taking the thing. It took about an hour to get the two of them out of the building and into the car, which was, you know, 25 meters down the sidewalk. It wasn't wasn't very far. And we had gotten into the car and the intersection um, that we were at is a a T-junction. And at the T-junction, we were just here. So we're just to the right of the T-junction. And there are cars coming and turning right in front of our path. So it's a really difficult space to turn. And I had always been this uber peaceful, patient, I mean, like front page of a magazine, patient, just, I was, oh, I just amazed myself at how patient I was for about four years. And it sort of started waning probably after the first two, once I had the two of them, it started cracking a bit. But then when my eldest was four, we were out of the crash in the car at this, at this intersection, I was trying to get out and she had a wobbly and took her water, her juice bottle. Cause I came with snacks to the crash, even though they just had a snack, we had more snacks so we could keep our tempers. Like we could, we could manage cause nobody wanted to be hangry. And, and she got angry and she whipped the, the juice bottle at the, in the front of the car where I was driving and it, it went under the pedals of the car. And I lost my mind. I turned around in the space of the car and started screaming at her. I, I remember actually seeing saliva coming out of my mouth Mm -hmm. and I was at the same time, part of me was going, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, what are we doing? Oh my God, Oh my God. And I just couldn't stop. I just, I was this three headed snake haired, horrific demoness of a being screaming at my child because I subsequently learned after lots of work and some therapy that I was terrified. I was afraid we were going to have an accident and it was going to be my fault. And she had done a thing which just flipped me over. Yeah. I was at the edge of my patience, and it flipped me over into, there's a saber tooth tiger chasing us and we're going to die. Yeah. Right. And, and we all, we get into this, we get into this where something's going to happen and it's going to be my fault because it has to be my fault because I'm the only one doing this mothering thing anyway. And I better do it right. Because it's the only thing I'm doing now, right? For those of us who have been working and have decided to, or have been able to, or had to um, come into mothering full-time, as a type A perfectionist, I, you know, that's a lot of pressure. And here we were, it was dinner time. I was tired, overwhelmed, da, 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 and we were in danger and I lost it. And I started at that point realizing that Um, I wasn't okay. And I used to say proudly, I never get mad. I never get mad. And I didn't, I never would get mad. Like until I was 34 at this stage, 30, no, at that stage, I was 36. And, and it just, it wasn't very healthy. I realize, but it was just, it was a moment of such shock and the shame, Rachel, the shame was so crushing. And I had one friend, one friend that I could talk to about this was very forthcoming with her own, you know, wobbles. And she said to me, look, I have this parenting coach and I think you should talk to her. And I resisted and resisted and resisted and resisted. And I finally wrote to her this long email. I remember sitting on my, on my sofa writing to her sobbing and thinking that as I was writing this, this was going to be used in court against me. And they were going to take my children away from me because I yelled at them in the car one time. And it was it was such a violent, growing up in a home where no one was ever allowed to be angry. It was such a violent event and it had come from me. It was so shocking and horrifying. And I realized that I was just beyond the beyond of giving, 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 giving. There was nothing left inside. And in that moment when I could have chosen to respond and go, woo, let's try to keep things in the backseat and taken it and put it down because we didn't have an accident and just driven home, I, it wasn't available to me. I was, it, there was a saber tooth tiger in the car and I had to scare it away with my voice. Yeah. So that was the, that was the first real shock to me. And the, and the second um, happened a few years later, it was two years later we were building a house. My husband was traveling a lot. We knew that he, his job was probably in jeopardy um, my father was ill at the time. So again, lots of context stuff going on, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Which happens to yeah. all of us. Yeah. And um, I had been teaching and was feeling quite burnt out teaching. And I had left the class, gone and had some takeaway. I got some really lovely grilled fish and gorgeous beans and brown rice and super wholesome. And I sat in the sun and just thought, right, I'm going to just sit here and I'll go collect my daughter from school because we're going to do a tour of the new local school and see what we think. And And I ate this lunch and within 10 minutes, I started having an anaphylactic reaction within half an hour, I was in the hospital and we didn't know if I was gonna make it because I had had this reaction to fish that had been contaminated, but no one knew, including me. And I'd eaten this super healthy fish. And so I spent those 24 hours in the hospital with my husband in Texas, my family in Canada, his family in Argentina thinking, I don't know if I'm ever gonna see my kids again. My phone was dying and realizing that in that moment, What I needed to do was to call on my village, to call on the people around me. And I had put up walls so thick and so high that uh, the only people I would let through are the people I would pay. So I had a cleaner and she came in and spent the night with my kids. But I asked a couple of other friends, all of whom have kids as well, right? And you didn't want to bother them. Yeah. Yeah. Had a a couple of other friends collect one daughter from school and the other from creche. I had to ask a teacher to drive me to the hospital because there was no time for the ambulance and i realized as i was lying there shaking and the doctors were like well we've done all we can we just have to see <laughs> you know oh my word. we just have to see um but your heart rate hasn't come down it was 190 beats a minute for 6 hours lying still and and it just wasn't like i was i was again, just beyond the beyond the beyond of my capacities. And that's because I was trying not to bother anyone. And I was trying to take it on myself and I was building the house on my own and making all the decisions on my own. Great. Amazing. Right. To be building this house, huge privilege yeah. and a lot of decisions and pressure. Yep. Mothering on my own. Cause my husband was away. My father was ill. Lots of things to think about and, and, you know, working, teaching part-time. So driving hither and thither to, to teach and it was, it was just a, a constellation of events that meant that it was too much. And months later, panic attacks, incapacity to eat anything other than sort of steamed chicken and boiled carrots for six months, um, not a diet I recommend. <laughs> After about six months, I spoke to an allergist who said, were you under stress at the time? And I kind of snorted and said, well, yeah. And I explained what was going on. And he said, well, had you not been at the absolute limits of your capacity to manage all of the things, you may have had a tummy ache. Yeah. But your physical system was incapable of tolerating any more stress because... I now know my adrenals were so overloaded. They were so exhausted. The, the rest of my system was in this perpetual, there's a. I I carried saber tooth tigers with me on my shoulders all the time. And I couldn't talk about it because I felt ashamed yeah. about it. And so those two experiences, it was really after that second one that I thought "I. it can't be just me. It must be other people. And I'm social. And I talk to people and have friends and, but still that wall, those, mm-hmm. that, that kind of, fortress around me of it's okay I've got this the superwoman cape yeah kept people so far away that when I really needed them there there wasn't anybody I hadn't allowed anyone to get close enough to get the help and I don't want any other mother to feel that way I don't want any other mother to feel left behind and this is my like war cry <laughs> we've talked about this before of no mama left behind you know like in the movie trolls if you've seen that or you're, yeah. you're... <laughs> that. There's the king of the trolls and he goes and he saves the, you know, he grabs the last troll who's being left behind is the, whatever the big nasty things are that are coming to eat them. And he bellows no trolls left behind. And I'm, I feel that way too, whether it's because of divorce or separation or an illness or a learning difference or weight or color or creed or location or age or whatever, None of that matters. We're all mothers and we all need to be surrounded because that that taking care of ourselves, that feeding our souls, which is what you're all about, makes the difference between being able to manage the stuff of life and not.
0: Definitely. And I think also kind of my experience and that of other like people that I've spoken to, yourself included, I think motherhood also amplifies our fears and our biggest anxieties about ourselves so if you're already like you said a type a perfectionist who doesn't believe that she's good enough or worthy enough throw a few little children into that mix and you've got a recipe for amplified oh my god i'm terrible oh my god i can't do this um which again is i know that you've experienced that as well so I'm curious because obviously we're talking about feeding our souls and this is something that I'm, as you know, super passionate about helping other women to do. What was your, I don't want to say what was your solution, but coming through this experience for you and actually realizing your walls were so high, they were so thick. You'd put this barrier up. You realized you couldn't do it on your own what have been the biggest lessons for you as in what things have you had to put in place? What things have you had to acknowledge? What things have you had to change in order for your soul to be fed, but also for that wheel to to actually start going around again so that it's not wonky anymore.
1: That's such a good question and it's, it's something that is in progress and I think it will
0: always be in progress as, I'm glad that you said that because that's an important point to mention.
1: Yeah, it's not, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not there yet. And I'm not, I don't know if I ever will be, but the first thing was to ask for help to state my needs. And that's really hard because when you ask for help, people might say no. And that's a super vulnerable place to be. Right. And we are taught from very early on to, you know, chin up, and i lived in the UK for a while, and it seems like the national solution to everything is a cup of tea. It isn't, it's just a cup of tea. I've got one right here, it's not solving anything, it's just a cup of tea. Um, but it's, but it's, um, it's that willingness to be vulnerable and to allow yourself to be seen, even if what you get back isn't what you're hoping for. Mm-hmm. But at least then you know where you stand. So for me, it was asking for help. And on that day, when I was in the hospital and my phone was dying, was asking someone for a phone charger because I didn't know how else to communicate with the people who were supposed to take care of my kids. It was asking two friends to care for my children and feed them and pretend everything was normal. It was, um, you know, and it's been asking for help as as I've gone on. Another thing that I've started to do when, so when I was teaching, when I had this this anaphylactic reaction, I was teaching yoga. So irony of ironies, right? Here I am teaching people to be Zen and teaching them to meditate and not really taking my own medicine as much as I could have been and therefore allowing myself to ignore what my body was telling me. And so I would go teach and in the morning I'd feel sick before I'd go teach and I would have a really upset tummy or I would feel like being sick or, yeah. You know, and my body was saying, whoa, 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 this is too much. Hang on, slow down. So the body, I often say this to my clients, the body whispers. And when you don't listen, she starts to speak. And when we don't listen, she begins to shout. And if you really don't listen, then she will stop you dead in your tracks and she will go to any length required. And in my case, it was a very huge, hey, hey, no more. We're done. And it was, she drew the line in the sand. Like it was, it wasn't even drawing the line in the sand. It was just, there was suddenly there was this huge ditch and I was in the bottom. And so for me, listening to my body, listening to my wisdom, listening to what you can call your soul and seeing how I react when someone asks me, do I want to do something? Do I want to go to this place? Do I want to take this on? Um, was huge. And and immediately after having the reaction, I quit teaching because it was the, I love teaching, but the organization of working in that particular place and having private clients and corporate clients and studio clients. And it was just a lot of driving. And yeah, we not a lot of game. I quit teaching. I resigned from all of the boards that I was on. I was on three different committees and boards of different associations and, and so on here because I it was it was good to integrate and to you know to be that involved community person and important to give, et cetera, except that I was trying to give from a place of nothing left. Yeah. So it has really been a a process in those four years of making it be okay for me to say no. Mm. Um, of stating my needs, of risking, when I speak to people about how I am, that when I'm honest about it, people will have reactions because we aren't used to hearing and being with someone who's being vulnerable and real. Yeah. And it has it has allowed me to see the people who it's safe to be vulnerable with, yeah, and the people who it's not, and that's okay. That's where they are, and I can decide or not to keep them in my life. But when I know that it's okay for me to be vulnerable and that no one's going to give me a solution or try to give me some advice or tell me how to fix the problem, because that's not what I want. I just need holding and witness and love and understanding. When I find those people, then those are relationships that I cherish and that I nurture lovingly and they nurture me back. And that's a... It's a really, it's an it's an ongoing process, and I'll give you an example. I realized that being in this online business world, it's really easy to get isolated. Right? We've talked about this before, where we work from home, and it's amazing, and we have the flexibility, and we work from home.
0: Uh-huh. All of Yep, the just you, your walls, your computer, that's it.
1: <laughs> and the laundry machine is beeping downstairs and you can hear the postman coming, you know, I'll just load the dishwasher. And, but it's not very social, right? We have lots of these kinds of interactions and it's amazing that we have this technology. But how much does that actually feed our souls? And how much does that nourish our deep human need for connection and for touch and for Sight and so on, and so a few months ago i I became very conscious that I was again this wall is coming up because that 's my habituation. the wall is coming up i 've got it i 'm good i 'm good as i 'm building this business and i 'm supporting my family and i 'm good i 'm good i 'm good um, and i 'm doing mama taxi and i 'm doing this i 'm doing that, and I realized actually I miss humans I, I miss being with humans, and I need to be held and space to be created for me and so as though by chance but I know it's the universe coming and going oh I hear that need spoken clearly and one of the moms from school whom I love just love she's lovely said to me hey I want to start running will you come and run with me two days a week and so twice a week we drop our kids in the morning and I go running with the dog and so that's the dog run done and that's half an hour 45 minutes of social time and it's it's literally like like the universe has just taken one of those little chocolate kisses and has placed it in my, in my hand and said, here you go. You asked for that. You need that. I hear you. Yeah. Take that. And that feeds my soul. I don't have to tell her that she's feeding my soul. I don't have to tell her that I've been feeling lonely. I don't, I mean, I can choose to. And in in that case I did say, gosh, you know, I realize that I'm, I'm spending a lot of time in my business and at home and, and yet, finding those opportunities to be nourished, finding last two weeks ago, I was in London doing a, a yoga teacher training. And that's like being with my, my yoga family. I go there, I spend days and days learning. My brain is exploding in multicolored fireworks of delightful learning. And I'm being held by all of these other women in this space who are learning something we're all deeply passionate about. Oh my goodness. That feeds my soul. That's amazing. I have goosebumps just talking about
0: it. Yeah, i know i was the same and i was about to say um for me whenever i have really pushed through that resistance of i can't possibly take a weekend to myself i can't possibly leave the children for an entire day and go to manchester or go to london for a workshop but actually off the back of that i come back so more connected engaged excited to see them i'm a better mum. let's be honest because actually i've had that space to just be me without the responsibility, without the pressure, without the routine, without the schedule. And this is something that I think so many of us, we struggle with the mummy guilt. And actually the mummy guilt's our story, isn't it? It's our inner dialogue. And sometimes we need to break that and go, do you know what? It's okay for me to be selfish right now. It's okay for me to have a week to myself because I'm going to come back so much more fed on a soul level that actually the whole family dynamic will benefit. And I've experienced that so many times now, and I know that to be true. So anybody listening right now that hasn't figured that one out and will confirm it as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And And I
1: have a, I have an invitation to you, which is to, change. So I want to talk about two things. One is this invitation and the other one is, is the inner dialogue. So first this invitation is to what if we took the word selfish and we changed it to self lush. Lusciousness is soft and generous and warm and comfortable and luxurious and oh, it's amazing. Right? What if instead of being selfish, Which is hard and cold and linear and condemning and involves um, discipline and you need punishment because if you've been selfish, then you're gonna have to pay the price of being selfish and so is everyone else. When When you're selfish, you're taking away from, if I do something for me, I'm taking away from my family because I'm not here. My invitation is to just shift that slightly to think about what can I do what can I gift myself that is self lush, where I feel that lusciousness, that goodness. So I'm gonna take a bath because actually that makes me feel really luscious and great. And it's not selfish that I'm in the bath for 20 minutes while my kids are watching the iPad. It's not, it's self self preservation and it's self lush. So really shifting the way that we think about going away. Like if your husband was going away for a training for work, would you tell him he was being selfish? No. So why is it selfish for us to do that? And what are we teaching our girls about selfishness when they want to go and do something or when they want to keep a toy and not share it, or when they want to make a decision that inconveniences us selfish comes out pretty fast, generally speaking. Yeah. And, and why, why is it selfish? What it is, is inconvenient to me. It's inconvenient to the people around us sometimes. Okay. They'll feel what they feel and think what they think anyway. So instead of them feeling what they feel and thinking what they think and judging you when you're not even doing the thing you want to be doing and you're not even nurturing yourself, why don't you just do the thing that makes you feel good? Because they're going to be judging you anyway. So they might as well get to know the real you. And that is something that I've been having a dialogue with my kids about because at some stage, I got the message that being a mother was a very serious business. And so my husband, who's very funny, extremely playful, um, really creative when he's parenting, sometimes looks at me like I'm an alien and is like, what is going on with you? Because I have this programming on some level that as a mother, I need to be serious and make sure everyone's okay. And I can't make sure everyone is okay and doesn't die if, I'm not being super serious and so my kids get a bit shocked when they hear people say that I'm funny or and I even was like really you think I'm funny but I did an improv class in the spring and it was hilarious it was the best thing I've ever done was it inconvenient yep it was on a Monday night and it was right at dinner and I had to either pay a sitter or get my husband oh well but boy I went and literally
0: wept with laughter
1: every night and it meant that my kids were like you're funny Really? And daddy did a video of the performance and they were like, mommy, you're making everybody laugh. And this was, a, this was a, a big revelation to me of, oh, letting all the parts of myself participate in mothering lets me be more of a soulful and soul fed in the context of, of our discussion woman because I'm not parking part of my being because right now I'm being mom. Like I shouldn't, shouldn't, I don't like the should word. I strive to get to the stage where whether I'm mumming or I'm entrepreneuring or I'm guiding or I'm teaching or I'm receiving, I'm the same. Yes. And that is, requires a vulnerability. That requires a willingness to put the mental chatter, to one side and those stories that we tell. Because this, this programming that I have, that being mother, being a mother is a very serious business, is actually not how I want to show up. And it's not helpful to my family. It's way more helpful in the morning if I can sing my requests to my daughter, who's, you know, dawdling and just sort of, I don't even know where she goes in the morning. If I can sing her my requests to her, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, and you never do that you know, cause that's the programming that's under pressure, the old stuff that comes out and it's not how I wish to show up and it isn't how I show up with anybody else. Yeah. So, so except myself. And this is the thing about the inner dialogue that we shame ourselves and we guilt ourselves and we shut ourselves into misery as mothers because mm-hmm. We feel like we need to make everybody else happy and the kids, we do so much for our kids and they're not grateful because why would they be? They're used to us doing the stuff. So why would they be grateful? And they didn't ask us to do it. We did it and now they expect it because it's what we taught them to expect. So then we get to the stage where we realize that we've lost different parts of ourselves. And not only that, but we're on a constant repetition of beat up and of, of shaming ourselves and of punishing ourselves internally for all of the things that we should be doing and we're not doing right and and all of the things that we did wrong. And then we wonder why the wheel doesn't turn. We wonder why we show up in ways in all of our relationships we don't like. We wonder why there's this archetype of the bitter woman. Well, duh. (laughs) You You spend decades of your life making sure that everything is convenient for other people, that no one feels uncomfortable. Your soul is in there wanting to express. And if people take only one thing out of our conversation today is people are going to think what they think and feel what they feel anyway. So you might as well show who you really, really are to your children, to your partner, because when things start to go wonky is when you start to step into your true self and everybody goes, hang on a second. This isn't what I signed up for. This isn't yeah. the person I signed up with. Where did that come from? <laughs> Where did that come from? And you're like, well, actually, actually no. And, and we, we sometimes feel that it becomes, it becomes, um, it becomes a, almost a a life-saving move. So it becomes very dramatic and it becomes very all or nothing. And it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. To come back to your center, to come back to the true expression of who you really are can be much softer and gentler. It doesn't mean everybody's doesn't like it. And as you say, you know, you talk about how now you've become more accustomed to taking time to step away and to fuel yourself and to nurture yourself. And you come back as yeah. A, a better version of yourself a fuller version of yourself and when things are off balance is when you come back and often there's the, there's a strong contrast so i find often i go away so i was away for a week and i came back and the 48 hours after i got home were not zen and easy there was all kinds of stuff and it was built up tension in my kids, probably for me being away. It was built yep. up tension in me from the guilt because there was a lot of stuff going on here while I was away and it needs an outlet. So either you have a healthy way of saying, Whoa, I'm having really big feelings or Hey, let's work through some of this stuff or playing with your kids so they can express what they're feeling through play. And you can too, it's going to come out and it's not going to be Insta perfect. It's going to be raw and not so, it's going to be stinky. So I love the work that you do helping women to to feed their souls, their hungry souls, because we all have them. And I feel that depending on cultures, we as women may have a slightly easier time getting back into accessing our souls than men do because they have their whole, their own whole set of yeah. stuff and expectations and, shoulds that are dumped on them as men and and you know don't cry and you can't have feelings and you've got to be strong and and you know there's there's all kinds of messaging that goes in into our our male portion of our population Mm. who may want to be loving and tender and stay home and be with the kids and i mean we there's you know everyone is is so multi multi-faceted and and fascinating but i think that we as women we're gonna end up here anyway so exactly Let's find the those self-lush ways of, of giving to ourselves and of showing our children, our spouse, our family, how amazing that can be. And if they don't get on board,
0: okay. Okay. Exactly. Their Their time will come if that be the case. But I think also just to kind of extend on what you said there very briefly, I think it's my belief the more that I do this and the more that I have these conversations that actually women that do step into that place of being honest and truthful with themselves and actually feeding their soul. So becoming soul fed, they are going to be some kind of change maker anyway, because by definition there's a ripple effect. Like when they are more lit up, then the world will light up around them because they're not going to be this like, Ooh, kind of crumpled, exhausted, empty version of their truth. So partners, husbands, you know, boyfriends, whoever, they're going to be impacted and they're going to be part of that change, whether they're actually involved or not. I, I think, because I know for me, my relationship with Simon is always better when I've had time away and I kind of come back and I'm more appreciative and I'm, you know, Oh, you're so lovely. Um, which I'm sure that you can relate to as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So listen, Anne, before we wrap up, cause this conversation, I can keep talking to you about this for like such a long time. I think it's so important. Um, but before we do finish, do you want to give us some um, directions on how we can find you on the World Wide Web? Where are you located? For anybody that wants to get involved with your Centred Mama project, where can they find you?
1: Thank you. I would love that. So I am this week going live finally with my website, says the perfectionist. Um, and the website is Mama project so that's centered written the american way c-e-n-t-e-r-e-d mama m-a-m-a project.com there's also a an instagram account which is centered mama um, and you can see all kinds of goings on there and i will be very soon announcing the centered mama sisterhood and we'll be taking applications for that where i can welcome mums in to really get active in a community and feel held and supported by other mamas in the sisterhood 24 hours a day seven days a week all around the world, and it is going to be
0: amazing. Oh, it sounds amazing! So, anyone that's watching this on YouTube or anywhere else, um, Anne's links are below this video, also on my webpage. But anyone that's listening on iTunes, if you head over to those links that Anne's just shared and go and check out what she's doing, because she's a change maker. No, uh, no mama left behind, as she said. Thank you so much for our conversation today. I know that's going to help so many people just by having that awareness that they're not on their own and there is help and there are support groups and there are people like you and I who they get it and you know no need to be ashamed or embarrassed by stuff it's just part of life sometimes
1: yeah the positive and the negative it all is part of what makes up the beautiful balance
0: of life absolutely have a beautiful day and I'll catch up with you soon thank you you too bye